good to have you on a uh, Tuesday, Tuesday edition, May 2nd, if you can believe it, May 2nd, 48 degrees, windy as hell, sucks, but welcome to, uh, welcome to life in Wisconsin, good to have you on board today. Uh, well, the, the breaking news just before we go on the air today is the fact that uh, Jordan Love has indeed signed with the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Now, it's not a long-term deal by any stretch of the imagination, but it's kind of a prove-it deal, basically. And it's uh, it's a deal in which he has the opportunity to make a lot more money, and uh, he can the, – the deal basically restrikes – it's uh, what – Ben, ben, what is it? Twenty-four million dollars or something to that extent, but uh, the the salary, the actual cap hit is much lower with eighteen and a half million guaranteed. It is a one-year extension for twenty twenty-four, so it's instead of the fifth-year option, right? Which would have been twenty-plus million guaranteed. It is a one-year extension worth up to twenty-two and a half million, with thirteen and a half fully guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. Thirteen and a half. Okay, I thought I read eighteen and a half. But anyway, the bottom line is, it's a prove it deal. It's basically like, look, we don't know what you're going to bring to the table. We haven't seen you win a game yet, but we have faith in you. Uh, I do find it interesting because uh, on one hand, you got Brian Gutekunst moving on. He's moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Moving on from, you know, the uh, the the Hall of Fame quarterback because it's Jordan Love time. And then comes out and says, well, that's a lot of money to a guy who hasn't won anything in the National Football League. I, you know, it's, it's – what? This is this is your guy, man. This is this is the dude that you wanted. So uh, a little interesting, but nevertheless, uh, they've gotten the deal done. So now it's it's Jordan Love, and it's his, uh, it's his job to lose. It's his job to prove that he can handle. It's his job, period. And then you've got, obviously, you know, the backups. and But it does not tie the Green Bay Packers into any kind of a long-term deal should, should Jordan Love um, turn out to be bad, for lack of a better term. But uh, Jordan Love signed to a deal. You had, uh, obviously, the playoffs last night. You've got hockey. Uh, the Rangers knocked out by the Devils, which was a hell of a rivalry. If you watch that game midway through, I was I was paying attention to that a little bit last night. And uh, after the uh, the Devils play, you know, put the uh, the third one in the back of the net, that was pretty much it. Rangers fans were leaving the arena over in New Jersey, and uh, then James Harden. I have very few adjectives to describe his outfit. He, I don't know what drew more uh, of an attention. Uh, was his outfit or his play last night? Uh, without Embiid, the 76ers steal Game One against the uh, the Celtics, which was somewhat surprising. But um, I, James Harden walked in the arena last night, and what had to be the they weren't even bell bottoms; they were like bell pants, just straight down the biggest pair of pants I've ever seen. Uh, he, he looked like a, a vagrant for lack of a better term. I'm sure it was, you know, a $100,000 outfit, but uh, that's the way he walked in last night. He looked like a vagrant. We pay so much attention to what they're wearing. I, you know, I mean, it's here they come walking. I love it when Giannis walks in. He's got his sweats on. He's got his socks. His sweatpants are tucked into his socks usually. He's got gym shoes, a hoodie, you know, whatever. He just walks into the arena. It's like, okay, I'm here to play basketball. 
And the other guys, they're here to make a statement. They're here to be fashionable. You know, you have to be fashionable in some sense. So uh, James Harden walked into the arena last night. Ben, uh, give me your adjectives as to the attire of one James Harden last evening. This is not an adjective. Uh, It's a short phrase. I don't really give a damn. He came out and put up 45 and and looked like 2015 Harden and stole game one for the Sixers. Yeah. So today's a great day on my end. So I don't really really care what he wears. If he plays like he played, then I go naked. I I mean, it's that's against the law, but wear anything that won't get you arrested. Fine. Correct. Yeah, it was uh, it was just some crazy, crazy ass outfit. Uh, but the, but he put up all kinds of points and they won last night. So so kudos to the 76ers uh, for uh, for getting after it and doing it without Embiid last night. So big win for them uh, in uh, in Boston. So good stuff there. Uh, then uh, you can't hear Ben. I don't know why. They said they can't hear you, Ben. No idea why. That's probably a good thing. Huh. Well, everything's uh, everything's working, as far as I can tell. As far as I can tell. But I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels. At Bill underscore Michaels. At Ben Z. Kenny. You can find Ben there on Instagram, The Bill Michaels Show. Same thing over on the Facebook fan page. Uh, subscribe for free on YouTube and on Twitch TV. And uh, that's simply Bill Michaels Show. And uh, then you can find us via email, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. The website is thebillmichaels.com. And uh, you can always catch us anywhere and everywhere. Download the app, W-O-Z-N, The Zone out of Madison. Download the app, The Zone Madison. It doesn't matter if you're in Rice Lake or if you're in Green Bay or if you're in Sheboygan or if you're in Florida. It doesn't matter. You can download the app anywhere and everywhere and take us uh, live in, in your pocket, in your ears, whatever it happens to be. And you can always listen to the program post-program on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and Google Podcasts. So there you go. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, Ben, Ben Kenny, Ben, uh, the the golf tournament is shaping up. We are uh, we had one foursome that had to drop out, so there's one foursome available. Uh, apparently, somebody had something going on and they couldn't make it, so a foursome dropped out. So we have one foursome available. For the Bill Michaels Open coming up this weekend, Saturday, May 6th, call them 608-637-7615, 608-637-7615. Even if you're a twosome or, or a single, they're going to put one together, or you can just uh, get a few buddies or a few friends or what have you and uh, get yourself together. We're going to play at Viroqua Hills Golf Course. The weather looks like it's going to work. It's going to be close to 70 degrees, partly sunny, it's going to be a nice day. Shotgun start at 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll get done probably around 5, maybe 6 o'clock, something like that. Got some food coming to us after the fact, a little Q&A, some beverages. Going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it's the first one we've done. And like I said, to everybody that's already signed up, uh, never expected this kind of a turnout. We thought, you know, you get five, six, maybe ten foursomes, that'd be great. You know, 40, 50 people to go, that'd be fantastic. Never expected this thing to sell out. And so it's uh, you got a spot open, so get in now. If you were thinking about going, call your buddy, say, hey, they just had a spot open back up. Get a hold of them, 608-637-7615. Ask for Ryan, 
He'll get you all signed up and registered, and then we will see you there come Saturday. Friday night, Ben, uh, you can't make Friday night, right? You're not going to be there on Friday? I don't think so. Okay. Friday night, we're going to end up down at uh, Kickapoo Creekside for dinner. We've got a bunch of people heading down there, so we're going to go down there for dinner on Friday night. And then Saturday morning, uh, I'm going to be appearing over at the Nelson Agri Center, the old uh, the old Nelson Agri. I don't know what it's called now. Um, I think it changed names. But it's the Agri Center. We're going to be there from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And then after the fact, uh, we're going to be heading over to the golf course, and uh, we'll be there in the shotgun start at 1 and then after that, uh, we've got some food. We've got some beverages. I think we're going to go out for a little while after that. We'll probably end up down Norwegian Hollow or something like that or maybe one of the uh, the fine establishments in town and then uh, out of there on Sunday. But it's going to be a fun weekend in Viroqua. So if you're thinking about going, and it's a hidden gem, Viroqua Hills Golf Course, we'll take some pictures for you, but it's a hidden gem. So if you're thinking about going, hope to see you there again. Saturday, May 6th, this Saturday, 608-637-7615, 608 637 7615 608 637 7615 call Ryan tell him hey I uh, want to play in the uh, the Bill Michaels open so we'll have a fun time do you go. have to bring your key to the city bill are, are you going to uh, be admitted I, I you know what I don't know that's a good point I'll bring the key and just start walking around after midnight and seeing if I can't unlock a few doors and welcome everybody in we'll go party someplace that's not a bad way to go I could do that that key's pretty big but yeah I could do that wouldn't mind that <laughs> Uh, 877-867-1670. Reaction to Jordan Love signing with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I like the deal, and the reason I like the deal is because it is a prove-it deal. Um, Gutekinds has said uh, time and again that the one thing, they, they, they believe Jordan, Jordan Love is capable of being a starter in the NFL. They've talked about him being ready. It's his time. He's ready, you know, on and on and on. And has given have given you all the positive verbiage. He, they've given you all the positive ad- adjectives about him. He's gotten stronger, more confident, looks sharp, gets rid of the ball, blah, 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 blah. blah. The one thing Goody has said, and we've reiterated it on this program, is Jordan Love hasn't won anything. He hasn't won a game. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not starting games. He hasn't been really finishing games. He only finished the Philadelphia game, but by then it was pretty much over. But he hasn't won. He hasn't taken a team from point A to point B. He looked uh, not good in the game against Kansas City, uh, not good in the second half of the game against Detroit a couple of years ago, uh, looked good against Philadelphia, but, you know, didn't bring them back for a victory. So he's not won in the National Football League. So I like the deal because it is a prove-it deal. I like the deal because it basically says, look, we got belief in you. You're going to be a millionaire. Here you go. It's just you haven't done anything yet. So prove it. And if he can prove it, then he's going to be good to go. Um, uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Oh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah was on the Pat McAfee show. And we got Andy Herman today, the Pack-A-Day podcast, coming up in, in about an hour and, what, an hour and 45 minutes from now. We're going to talk with him. But uh, Daniel Jeremiah on the uh, Pat McAfee show and uh, I was going through the Journal Sentinel today. I was reading a lot of the, the different uh, grades, we'll say, that many different prognosticators gave the Green Bay Packers. Many people said A or B, you know, for what they did. Uh, but this is what Daniel Jeremiah had to say on the Pat McAfee show about the Green Bay Packers, about Brian Gutekinds, and about this draft. 
Well, you know, looking at it in hindsight, like the I thought the Packers did a really nice job. Like oh, yeah. if you're trying to craft a draft for a young quarterback, you go out and get a couple tight ends. Um, they took Van Ness early, who fits like the mold of the bigger, like kind of rugged edge guys that they like to play with. Yeah. I thought they got just kind of a lot of value throughout the whole thing. And it, I didn't realize till the end of how many dang picks they had. They had a zillion picks. Um, so I thought they did a really nice job. And, you know, Aaron leaving, I mean, we'll find out on Jordan Love. We don't know. But to me, I thought they did everything they could to try and support him uh, as he gets his opportunity here. I like I like what the Green Bay Packers did. So there you go. Likes what the Packers did. Just another, just another positive. Now, again, uh, it doesn't mean anything for the fact that none of these guys have played yet. None of these guys have fortified a team. None of these guys have taken a snap in the NFL. So we'll wait and see. And you don't know who is and isn't going to make this team. You don't know who is and isn't going to be an impact player. But on paper, it, it looks relatively good, uh, I'd like to say. Uh, Bill says maybe this is the way all the contracts should be done, not fully guaranteed, and a prove-it deal. Uh, Bill, in a perfect world, I would agree with you uh, because the NFL is a different animal when it comes to contracts as opposed to, say, Major League Baseball or the NBA, that once they're signed, they're signed, and they got all that money as opposed to the NFL. Um, Chuck says, makes sense, not tied into him long term, just in case he doesn't work out. Marshall says, so they picked up the fifth year. They did, but they changed it to where it doesn't count as much against the cap. They also restructured Darnell Savage's contract, by the way in case uh, you're just tuning in on that. So they just uh, they did that today, too. Uh, that came out a little while ago, that uh, Darnell Savage Jr. has a restructured contract, and uh, he's going to save the Packers a little bit of money, too. So uh, not bad uh, for what Goody's done today, just in, in signing signing some players. Uh, it creates $5.46 million in cap space this year, and the Packers needed it. So because right now I think they had like sixteen million prior to the draft. After the draft, they're gonna have maybe six to seven, which if this deal gives would probably give them near twelve million dollars of cap space, uh, should they need it throughout the season. And I don't know what this deal does regarding Jordan Love as far as if this creates anything additional. I don't think it does. But you never know. I yeah, I haven't seen the final numbers on all of that yet. But uh, the Packers could use Packers could use a little more space, uh, about another eight to ten million. Uh, they could use, and that could put them up around twenty five, maybe twenty million, somewhere in there. And that way, they'd at least have some money if indeed they wanted to go get themselves either a, a veteran free agent wide receiver, uh, or somebody else along the way, or one or two players along the way. Uh, this one's from uh, Yates, who says, uh, hey, guys, what do you guys make of all the video of Aaron Rodgers actually practicing in New York at the OTAs and the minicamps? Um, it's something that I expected. It's something that I it, – it's a shame that – you know, and, I, and I've thought a little bit about this. And, and let me do this. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break because we're late for break anyway. But we'll take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll kind of go on that for just a second. But – not that I really want to get too deep into what Aaron Rodgers is doing now in, in New York, but, uh, you know, God knows they keep showing it over and over again. doesn't matter what network you're watching. Uh, so we can get into that discussion. But, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a shame. It really is. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at JNL Tire Service, ter- service and center. Uh, by the way, they want to say thanks for voting them the best tire dealer 
in Watertown and in Johnson Creek, but uh, their service is second to none. And the best part about it is they're honest about everything they do, whether taking – you go to a dealership and you're not quite sure. You know, are they just trying to milk you for the money? Are they trying to make money back after the COVID problems or what? As opposed to guys like Lyle and Chad and everybody at uh, the uh, the J&L Tire and Service Center, just good people, just good people. If you're uh, going to the one on Johnson Creek, that's uh, just north of the Johnson Creek exit, and if you're a big rig driver, they can handle you. So whether you're uh, in, a, in a minivan looking for an oil change or if you're in a big rig looking for major brake repair or trailer repair or tires, they can get you done. That's our friends at J&L Tire and Service Center. Go to JNLTire.com. That's JNLTire.com. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you, the Bill Michael Show. On the air, third hour of the program, and we're glad you're with us. Time now to bring in our guy from the Pack-A-Day podcast, Andy Herman, at Andy Herman NFL, now joining us on the hotline. Andy, how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks so much for having me. Always great chatting with you. So let's start off with the Jordan Love contract. Um, I think it is incredibly fair on both sides. Um, today, the uh, contract extension announced all the way through 2024. Give me your thoughts on that first and foremost. Yeah, I think it made a ton of sense. And I don't think this is any admission that the Packers don't trust Jordan Love. I don't think it's Jordan Love not betting on himself. I just think it was logical, common sense for two sides. And you start from the Packers side of things. I understand why, you know, picking up a 20-plus million dollar guaranteed option on a quarterback that's played about 80 snaps uh, in the NFL so far might be a little bit uh, of a tough sell. So I think you maybe go to the opposite side and say, hey, can we work something out, give you guys a little bit of an incentive to, you know, sign uh, this type of deal. We're going to maybe allow you with those incentives to make more than you would have made uh, on that 20-year guarantee, but we're going to get a little less guarantees on our end from Jordan Love's side of things. You know, if they decline his option and you're his agent, all of a sudden you're looking at next year if things don't go according to plan and you have a tough year. You know, what do you get on the free agent market? One year, seven mil, maybe not even fully guaranteed, something like that. So by locking in 13 mil guaranteed, you're guaranteeing yourself some money. It's good security on his side of things. Meanwhile, if he plays well, if he goes out and balls out, not only does he probably get those incentives, he's going to get paid like one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL anyway. So um, I don't see a ton of downside here for Jordan. I think he was smart on both sides and just really good business sense. Okay, I got to ask you, going back to the salary cap, 2024, uh, I, you know, and I know you follow everybody that covers the Green Bay Packers. On one hand, you look at over the cap, you look at Sport Track. Uh, if you take David Bakhtiari out of the mix, you got a lot of money next year. Although you look at a guy like Ken Ingles, and he says eh, there's not a lot of money. As a matter of fact, you're over the cap. Have you kind of broke down what next year will look like monetarily for the Green Bay Packers and what they may have to spend on, say, free agents and such? I haven't done a deep dive into it yet. I looked at it sort of a cursory glance at it. But, you know, my takeaway from it is this is still going to be some time until they're totally, you know, fiscally clear of all the salary cap issues that they have. You know, I would expect next year to sort of be the next purge. I think you're probably looking at guys like Aaron Jones, Preston Smith, David Bakhtiari, some guys like that that you're probably going to have to start moving on from. 
Green Bay just today, again, did another long-term sort of, uh, you know, pushing the, you know, the money down the road, kicking the can down the road, if you will. I know that's one of Ken's favorite things uh, with uh, Darnell Savage and now taking on more dead cap hit for next season on that contract. What you're going to have happen at some point is when you do move on from these guys, from the Prestons, from the, the um, Bakhtiaris, the Joneses, et cetera, you have all of these void years that are coming along. And as soon as those guys are gone, all those void, uh, you know, dead cap hits are going to accelerate into that season's, you know, salary. So I think the sooner that Green Bay can kind of get those over with, and again, they kick the can more down the road today with the Darnell Savage situation. So those are all going to hit at some point. So it's going to take a little bit of time for Green Bay to sort of get out of their financial mess. Well, we, we can look at this two ways. They're not, you know, they're not set up perfectly financially where they can just go out and have another offseason where they can go out and sign a bunch of free agents. At the same token, they're not in a situation where they're just going to be this awful team and they're not going to have any money to spend or anything like that. They can open up windows. They can open up avenues if they really want to. But the sooner that they can start getting those dead capits off the book, the better. And I would expect that is sort of the next band-aid to rip next offseason after this year's was the big, huge cap hit from Aaron Rodgers. Give me your thoughts on the way the draft went down and what the Packers did and or maybe didn't get. Yeah, so I think well, let's start with the second part, what they didn't get. And I think that's even part of the overall plan by, by Brian Gutekind and how he attacked this draft. But I think the big thing that everyone was really hoping for uh, at some area of the draft was uh, starting safety, right? And I think one of the things with this draft is it was just not a great safety class. And I think Goot was probably wise to attack the positions that had a little bit more depth and a lot more talent and sort of stay away from a draft class that just didn't have the top-end talent at safety. Even a guy like Brian Branch, who I know they traded out of that spot, maybe could have taken him. To me, he's more of a slot star type of player. And, I don't, you know, there's a little bit more of a projection of what he's actually going to be at safety. So I think there's, um, you know, they, it was just a poor draft class. And I think they got a really interesting prospect in the seventh round in Anthony Johnson. So that will be one to keep an eye on a safety group that is lacking depth for sure. On the flip side of things, I think how Brian did attack this draft class is kind of exactly how he should have. We know how they're going to operate in the first round, right? They love premium position players that are extremely athletic, that have huge upside Still young, still a lot of developmental potential, usually from a big program like, uh, you know, Georgia, Iowa, et cetera. They, this is exactly what they do. And they took Lucas Van Ness, who hits everything that they normally look for. That was a player that screamed off the page as a potential Green Bay Packer. And they take him in the first round. I think if you look back, like let's say they didn't take an addressal. Let's say they took Jackson Smith and Jay Barr, maybe one of the tight ends, someone like that, right? A lot of people had mocked to them. If you go to the second round, I don't know, maybe they take a key on White in the second round as an edge rusher, and the third round maybe a Zach Harrison from an Ohio State. Nice players, but nowhere near the upside as a pass rusher and an overall uh, edge player that Lucas Van Ness has. So they they basically you know correctly predicted that there was going to be a big rush on edge players in the first round, and they wanted to make sure that they were at the top of that. Obviously, they got the third guy after Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson, but Vanessa has a ton of talent. And then I thought the way they attacked the rest of the draft, the tight end you know, group, unlike safety, was really deep. They get two of the best tight ends in this draft in the second and third round. They attacked the receiver group, which needed to be rebuilt with three picks on day two and day three, including Jaden Reed, who people are going to absolutely fall in love with when they start watching him a little bit more. And then, you know, they addressed some needs, probably reached a little bit for the quarterback and Sean Clifford for the kicker uh, on day three. But I think if we get to the day three of the draft and your fifth and sixth round picks are maybe a little bit of a reach, and that's what we're complaining about, I don't think it's, uh, um, you know, probably the end of the world at that point. Is Jaden Reed a slot receiver? or is Because only at 5'10", you would assume he'd be inside, not outside, right? 
I think he's going to spend the vast majority of his time on the inside, no question about it. But man, this is a very fun player to watch. You go back and watch him on tape. And if anyone was following me on Twitter yesterday, I had some fun uh, jaded read clips that I post that are definitely worth checking out. Uh, but they played him a lot on the outside. There's a play um, in uh, 2021 where they are down by two fourth quarter, two-point conversion uh, to tie the game. And what do they do? They put Jaden Reed on the outside. They throw him a, a fade. They throw him a jump ball and a fade. Not just a jump ball and a fade against anyone. They threw it against uh, DJ Turner, the Bengals' six, uh, second-round corner from this year out of Michigan. He was a six-foot corner. Has him in size speed. You know what Reed does? He goes up, out muscles uh, Turner for the ball and makes the play, gets two-point conversion and ties the game. This is a guy that plays on the outside. He has a get you know see ball get ball mentality. He's going to find a way to come down with the catch. He has some ridiculous contested catches on tape. So he has a ton of experience playing on the outside. So I think that's probably one of the things that sold Green Bay a little bit more on taking a little bit of an undersized wide receiver is he has that mentality. He's played a ton on the outside. He's got punt returner ability, which usually is going to you know translate to a little bit more yards after the catch in the NFL. Um, he brings a lot to the table, and like I said, I think fans are going to fall in love with him very quickly. How much are they relying on Colby Wooden? Uh, I find him an interesting choice for the fact that he's a big body. You'd love to see him really develop alongside Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark. I mean, obviously they have T.J. Slayton that they're hoping takes that next step again this year. But give me your thoughts on Colby Wooden, the big defensive tackle out of Auburn. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, to your point, I think those first three spots along the defensive line are pretty much spoken for, right, with Wyatt and Slayton and Kenny Clark. I think they're expecting big jumps from both Slayton and Wyatt. After that, you know, those snaps are completely up for grabs. There's no Dean Lowry. There's no Jerron Reed. And I think Wooden and as, as well as Carl Brooks are going to be very much in that conversation. Uh, we'll see, you know, if their seventh-round pick, Jonathan Ford, from last year can get in that conversation as well. But Wynn's an interesting player. You see some of his upside. You go back to his freshman season. When he was a freshman at Auburn, this was a player coming out that people were excited. This is going to be the next huge first round. Like, he's going to round. He's absolutely going to be in that conversation. And then just things kind of didn't go totally according to plan at Auburn. That was not just with him. A lot of players at Auburn were not the same players over the last couple of seasons. That program uh, kind of took a little bit of a hit. A lot of players didn't develop the way that they were expecting. And Wooden's kind of in that same boat. But the talent is there. The potential is there. I think he lines up perfectly as a 3-4 defensive end. I think he can, you know, pinch inside and uh, or you know move inside and, and be a pass rusher on obvious passing downs as well. Uh, I just think there's a lot of upside there. And it's just going to have to be, you know, we're going to need to see a little bit more consistency out of him overall. Talking with Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast at Andy Herman NFL. You can find him. I said earlier today that to me, as much as I want to pay attention to the offense and the weaponry they have, I, to me, I'm fascinated by the defense because for this team to have any success, that defense is going to have to be damn near the top 10 or in the top 10. Um, I, I, I am praying to God that you get. Joe Barry that kind of takes the leash off and just lets guys play. And we get to see Jair actually play a lot more man coverage and not this death by a thousand cuts zone. Do you, how much pressure do you think Joe Barry has to reach success this season? I mean, immense pressure. And I think the, the message was sent again by Brian Judikin, staff to the first pick. Uh, when they took Lucas Van Ness, and he basically, you know, after that pick in the press conference said they have extremely high expectations for this defense. The expectations have been there. I think last year, a lot of people were expecting they could get into the top 10. I think one of the things going against Joe Barry to start this season is you've got Rashawn Gary coming off a torn ACL. Not sure when he's going to be able to start playing. You have Eric Stokes, who they've kind of already said, hey, he might not be ready to start the season. So I think that's going to certainly hurt their depth. You look at the safety position, and we just kind of talked about it, 
I mean, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, you know, Traverius Moore, if, like, if those are your top three safeties going into a season, and obviously the season doesn't start today, they've got some time to still address that. Maybe Anthony Johnson is somebody who can come in and step up. You know, we'll see, but that's a position that doesn't have a lot of talent and a lot of depth on it right now. So I think there are some things that are unfortunately going against this defense right now. I don't think that lessens the expectation for what they have. They've spent a lot of draft capital. There's a lot of talented players. I and mean, this is a defense that boasts Kenny Clark. Eventually it's going to get Rashawn Gary back. They just spent another first round pick on Lucas Van Ness. Devontae Wyatt's a first round pick. Quinn Walker's a first round pick. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rizul Douglas, they spent money on. Darnell Savage is a first round pick. There's, there's no excuse for this defense not to be I mean, at, at minimum, at minimum, a top half of the league defense. If this is a team that finishes in the bottom third again in defense, it, it's just unacceptable, and I would have to think that that would be the final nail uh, for uh, for Joe Barry. Yeah, I uh, I go back and I always look at the names that when they sign those rookie free agents, you know, when they start to go through this group of guys, Malik Heath, the kid out of Mississippi, you look at the linebackers, Keyshawn Banks and Brenton, Brenton Cox, and, you know, you start to look at some of the other guys, the safety in, in Benny Sapp and then the other safety in Christian Morgan. They have been good about finding some of the diamonds in the rough. I mean, you look at a guy like Tremont Williams. He was an undrafted free agent. You got a guy like Sam Shields, same thing. If you can find one of those guys that can fortify your secondary coming out of this uh, group of rookie free agents, then you might be saying something, especially if your seventh-round draft choice is able to make this squad as well and you're able to get Anthony Johnson Jr. kind of doing something. Then all of a sudden you're looking at a vastly different type of draft, aren't you? Yeah, you certainly are. And even let's just go back to those seventh-round picks for a moment because Valentin as well as Anthony Johnson Jr. are two very fun players. And I think when you're looking at, especially on day three of the draft, you're looking for – all right, what, what is something that maybe other teams were overlooking these players with? I think with Valentine, I think the big thing there, they didn't play him a, a ton in press man coverage, even though but that's kind of what he is best at doing. You see a couple plays on tape where he plays press man coverage, he looks like a totally different corner than when he's playing off. And when you see him actually play that with his size and his speed, he looks really, really good. And I think, you know, maybe teams just didn't quite see as much of that. And I think if they maybe would have seen him be able to play more of that style, I think they would have probably taken him a lot sooner. So I think maybe Green Bay got something there. He's going to be a key special teams player, assuming he makes the team. And then Anthony Johnson Jr. I talked to Ben Fennell yesterday. I mean, Ben is uh, convinced that Anthony Johnson Jr. is going to quickly find his way into the starting rotation at safety. He is a very fun player, and if you're looking for something here, too, there's a player that Iowa State spent almost his entire time at corner, probably playing out of position. I think he's a much better fit as a safety. Didn't have an interception in his career as a corner. Moves to safety, immediately gets a couple picks, looks more like a playmaker, like just seems to fit so much better in that position. If this is a player that had been playing safety throughout his entire career, I think this also might be a player that probably would have been selected in maybe more of the third or fourth round rather than in round seven. So I think Green Bay may have found something there, too. He also has a ton of special teams value and he will absolutely hit you. I think he can come in and potentially play a little bit of that Adrian Amos role next to Darnell Savage. So um, both of those players are very intriguing. But, again, you don't want to put too much uh, expectation into two seventh-round picks, but they're both very fun players. Anders Carlson, they chose him in the uh, sixth round, the place kicker. Uh, I am always leery of taking a kicker that comes out of the SEC in the south that is not really kicked in in frigid, incredibly frigid temperatures in the north. Does that give you pause for concern? 
Uh, yeah, I'm always uh, a little bit leery of taking any kicker, to be totally honest with you. I don't know that I have a, a huge concern with the weather. I think just overall he's a you know six five big leg kicker. But I think the biggest thing if you if you're a Packer fan and you want a, a you know vote of confidence as to why you know he's on this team, Rich Pistachio wanted him. Like he, that was the guy that after looking at the, the kickers and uh, the, the specialists, like that was the guy that he wanted. Um, he worked with his brother with the Raiders, so uh, hopefully there's a little bit of a connection there. And I think if anyone can maybe get the talent. Out of Anders, uh, hopefully it is Rich Pistachia. And, and uh, again, that was a pick that he kind of signed off on. So I'm not going to break down a ton of kicker tape, but uh, if, if Rich Pistachia believes in him, I guess uh, I'll believe in him as well. Last question before I let you go. Give me your thoughts real quick. Jordan Love, I know we keep talking about him being ready, and he's a, an NFL-ready starting quarterback and on and on and on. But I, Goody's words in my head keep ringing supreme, and that is we've never seen him win. Give me your thoughts on him. Do we lose him? I think we lost him. I think we lost Andy. I think Andy just said, I'm done. <laughs> so, well, you brought anyway, up kickers. I, I did. I brought up kickers, and I probably sent him over the edge on that one. That's okay. So there you go. Uh, that was Andy Herman, Packet A Podcast, uh, joining us for a couple of minutes, and uh, glad he did. Uh, so thanks to him for coming on the program. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, 877-867-1670, what you just heard, I want your reaction to. We'd love to hear from you. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Skipper Buds. We know the weather's going to turn. We know it's going to get warmer, and we know it's going to be boating season. Uh, whether you're cruising around with a group of friends, having that, uh, that beverage on the lake for uh, a pontoon, or maybe you're going on a lake, Michigan, Michigan in a cruiser. Whatever it happens to be, they've got it. And they've got a lot of them in stock right now, especially the one in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. Skipper Buds, boat sales, service, storage, and their service is second to none. And if you need a place to go and get your boat summarized and get it all checked out and ready to go on the lake this year so you don't have problems, check out our friends at Skipper Buds. But if you're looking for boat sales, new or used, get a hold of our buddy Todd. Todd is the GM at the one in Pewaukee, and he's the one that can help you out. 262-544-1200. Call Todd, 262-544-1200, or just stop by, start walking through the showroom and say, Bill Michael sent me. I'm supposed to talk to Todd. I'm looking to either sell my boat, consign my boat, buy a new one, buy a used one, whatever it happens to be, get a hold of Todd, 262-544-1200. That's our friends at Skipper. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.